0: Hey, everybody. Come on in. Come on in. You're just in time. It's time for Coffee with Scott Adams. Yes, I'm uh, accidentally doing a Mr. Rogers taking off my sweater at the beginning of the broadcast. Wish I'd planned it, but I didn't. So uh, we've got one of the best live streams... (laughs) Maybe of all time, really. If you were to look at all the live streams that have been broadcast in the last 15 billion years, this one, best one, yeah, of the entire 15, year, 15 billion year span, best one. I know it's amazing, and all you need to make it better is a cup or a mug or a glass, a tank or chalice a stand, a canteen, jug, a flask, a vessel of any kind, fill it with your favorite liquid. I like coffee. Join me now for the unparalleled pleasure of the dopamine to the day thing that makes everything better. It's called the simultaneous sip, and it's going to happen now all over the world at the same time. Thus, simultaneity. Go! Go! Well, whoever's taking a bong hit I just see in the comments, good choice, good choice. Well, let's talk about all the news, shall we? Ex-CIA head John Brennan said on MSNBC that he's, quote, I'm increasingly embarrassed to be a white male these days. He's embarrassed to be a white male. Well, John, I'm a white male, and I'm a little bit embarrassed too. A little bit embarrassed. Maybe not for exactly the same reasons as you, but... I have to say, I feel it. I do feel it. Of course, in my case, it's being caused by John Brennan. But I've been told uh, that I can take credit and also the blame for what total strangers do who happen to share any pigmentation with me. So if there's anybody who is also white, who's committing a crime right now, well, that's on me. If there's anybody white that I've never met and never will who's inventing something cool, I take the credit for that. Why? Obviously, similar pigmentation. Why wouldn't I take credit for the work of strangers if they have similar pigmentation? That's just logical. Well, IKEA is selling a uh, tiny pre-built home that comes on its own sort of trailer situation pull it right up to your plot of land, and there you've got a little home. Now, people said to me, what's so special about that, Scott? We've always had mobile homes. Ikea making one isn't that different, is it? But you'd have to see it. It's very window-centric. Instead of a classic mobile home that's more metal size and little windows, it's sort of open. You know, it's windowy. And if they got the uh, uh, insulation right, I don't know if they did, but... If they did, for $47,500, you could have a tiny home with one tiny bathroom and a bedroom and et cetera. Now, the big deal, I think, is that companies like IKEA are getting into it. But I still think the big win and where this is going, think of this price. Think of this price. Say, Let's say rounded to $50,000. Suppose uh, in a few years, Apple Computer gives you this option. You could have a home that's worth, let's say, $100,000 to build. So something twice as good as this. Maybe better than twice as good by then. So it's twice as good it's free. And it's made by Apple Computer. So it's high quality, right? It's just free. It costs 100000 If they were going to sell it on the market, probably it would, it would cost you maybe 200000 to buy it. They give it to you for free. But you have to use Apple products as long as you live there. All of them. So if you're going to have Wi-Fi, you get it from Apple. If you can have a phone service, you get it from Apple. If you're going to have a, you know, a laptop, you get it from Apple. And Apple makes its money by, by just you know, forcing you into their system, and they don't even care if you pay nothing for rent. You might pay some energy costs. Maybe to Apple, maybe to Tesla, maybe it's a Tesla house. Give it to you free, and all you have to do is pay for electricity, or pay for the you know Tesla products. Let's say, so you wouldn't be paying for the electricity directly. I think that's where it's going, um, and maybe this is the first sign. All right, uh, there is yet another, vac- uh, yet another study showing that one dose of the coronavirus vaccine and I don't think it matters which one you get at this point, that one dose will give you something like 80% effective um, protection from hospitalization for serious problems. 80%. Now, if they give you the second dose, that gets into the mid-90s or higher, right? So here's a question I asked. What if we ever had a two-dose regimen before? When that happened, I said to myself, well, I get that we've always had vaccinations, but why is this one a two-dose vaccination? Whereas, yeah, my dog is so loud. Snickers, wake up. Wake up. There you go. She snores so loudly. So I was curious why this was the one where uh, multiple makers of the vaccine thought it needed two doses. And I was curious about that. Now, the latest studies show that maybe it shouldn't have been two doses at all. Was there anybody saying that who was credible early on? Was there anybody credible saying, hey, uh, if you do the math one dose at 80% protection, given given that it's limited, right? If you had unlimited doses, then of course everybody should get two. I think we'd all agree on that, right? If it's unlimited, give everybody two. But it's very limited, and time matters a lot. Under that condition, would you take 80% protection really fast, or would you really, really slow things down to get to 95 for the few who actually get the shot. Just, just in your sort of general, common-sense, statistically ignorant brain, which one sounds better? Well, let me add a little wrinkle. Let's say that if you're a senior citizen, you're in a, specifically let's say you're in a senior care facility. Let's say we give all of them two. Nobody would argue with that, I don't think, right? Because there aren't that many. You know, you could give all of the, the, the nursing home people two and still have plenty to give people one. Well, I believe there were people like Nate Silver and, and other economists and statisticians who would be typically ignored for a, a medical question because it's outside their field. But uh, as Andres Beckhaus was pointing out to me this morning, uh, privately, just that there were people who were on this early, but they weren't doctors. They were the wrong kind of expert, except that they were the right kind of expert. Because what you needed was somebody who could do math. That's what you needed. You didn't need somebody who knew what a, what a vaccine was, or you didn't need somebody who was like the virology expert. You needed somebody who could do math. Say what you will about Nate Silver if you're politically opposed to his opinions or whatever. But what you can't take away from him he can do math. He can do math. And he just did the math. And he said, uh, if the one dose is anywhere, I'm sort of putting words in his mouth, he didn't say this. But the idea is that if one dose gets you to something like 80%, and it was a strong reason to believe that that would be true, we're doing it all wrong. I mean, like really wrong, <laughs> as wrong as you could get. Indeed, I would say that the decision to do two doses rather than one, may have killed millions of people or, or might in the long run. That one statistical error, which the, statistic, the, the qualified statisticians pointed it down right away, right? It wasn't like we didn't know. The people who can do math raised their hand and said, um, I feel like you're doing the math wrong. Now, what does this sound like? Does this sound like another situation? It should sound like the rapid test um, issue. So the same math that makes sense in the vaccines, which is a lower effectiveness single dose, can get you to wider immunity faster. The same argument, or similar enough, is that the um, the lower quality rapid testing might only be you know 80 or 90 percent effective as opposed to closer to 100, but if you did lots of people quickly and cheaply, you'd still catch so much of it that you might, you know stop the pandemic that way. Well, the FDA has approved a, yet another uh, rapid test. The other rapid tests, I think you still have to send it to a lab, but you can do it at home, and um, then you have to wait for the mail, et cetera. But the new one, apparently you get your you can do it yourself and you, you get your own result um, and it's 80% effective. Uh, or no, but something like that. It, it's it's not perfect, but it's a high effectiveness. And you can do it at home. And you don't have to wait for results. You get a result in 10 minutes. So we're done, right? Didn't I tell you that if you could have a quick home test that was at least that good, you would catch so much of the, at least you would probably get all of the super spreaders. Because the ones that it misses are the ones who are not shedding that much, right? So the, the difference between whether the these cheap tests catch the virus or not is not about the quality of the test. The test is the same test every time. It's just if you have a lot of virus, you're a super spreader, it'll catch you every time. But if you're maybe just at the beginning, you just got a little bit of shedding, well, then that might miss it. So as long as you get the super spreaders and you get them quickly enough, pretty much the pandemic's over, right? Oh, no, I forgot to tell you something. No, the pandemic isn't solved. Do you know why? Our FDA decided that you need a fucking prescription to stick this thing up your nose. What? Are you kidding me? Yeah, look at the comments. You're, you're dumbfounded now, aren't you? Can you think of any reason that the FDA would require a prescription to get this thing that you can do at home and you know a 13-year-old can do it? You're just sticking something up your nose and putting it in a vial, basically. Can you think of any legitimate reason? No, you can't. You can't think of any legitimate reason. Now, suppose that's just a failure of our imagination. Suppose there are actually a good reason for it. Do you give the FDA a pass? Because there's a good reason? Fuck no. Because they didn't tell us the reason. If you don't tell us the good reason... We must assume you are corrupt. We must assume that. And so I would ask you to assume that, that your FDA has now signaled unambiguously. I mean, before I was a little suspicious. No, I was very suspicious. That something was going on that wasn't quite right, because we should have had these tests approved a long time ago. But now it's confirmed. The, The adding the requirement for the prescription either doesn't have a reason, which would mean there's a corrupt reason, or, and this is the part you can confirm, they're not providing a reason. It's the same thing. Either they don't have one, or or they have one and they're not telling you. In either case, this is a complete failure of the FDA, for whatever reason, might be a mystery. Now let me ask you this. If Trump heard this... How would he act? Somebody said, hey, Mr. Trump, looks like we've got a solution. Oh, looks like we don't, because they added this requirement for a prescription. Now, when a doctor prescribes it, what, what do you think the doctor is looking out for? To make sure that somebody is like, knows how to do it right? Now, it could be that the only reason is to limit, limit the number of them, which would be the shadiest reason in the world, in my opinion. But suppose somebody t- comes to Trump and they say, oh, well, we got the technology now. We got the technology so we can solve this problem with this rapid testing. When I say solve, that's hyperbole, right? We can, we can make a big difference. And what does the president say? He goes, great, everybody will get this, right? No, turns out the FDA put a requirement on it for a prescription. So basically it won't make any difference to the pandemic. It really won't. It won't make any difference if you require a prescription. Just won't be enough of them. What would Trump say? What, what do you think? What would Trump do in that situation? Well, we don't know. Like, we'd have to speculate. My guess would be that they just told him the difference between uh, a successful presidency and an unsuccessful one, and that he would have ripped the FDA out by the roots to get that changed. I think. I think he would have ripped them out by the roots to get that changed. Now, I speculate, and, and only weakly this, on this following point, that Trump wasn't aware, in other words, his advisors had never brought him this proposition about the cheap, less accurate tests being a good solution if you do it right. I feel like maybe nobody ever brought that to him because I think he would have made it happen. Again, just speculating. No way to know that, right? But what will Biden do? Will Biden say, well, trust the science? I feel like he might. Is this science? Nope. Is he going to say trust the experts? Because, you know, there must be some reason that they're putting this requirement on there. I feel that he's committed himself to trusting the experts. And the experts appear to be screwing the whole country. Maybe killing millions. There is no—it's not. There's no even um, similarity between how many people uh, died in the Governor Cuomo case of putting infected people back in nursing homes, and that's you know in the thousands. Horrible, horrible situations. Thousands of people died from that mistake. How many people will die from this mistake? A lot more, like way more. It's not even close. If you're comparing government fuck-ups. Biden's fuck-up right now, which, by the way, let me be as clear as I can. If this had been President Trump, and he also didn't fix this, or at least obviously trying to fix it, it would be the same fuck-up, right? Nobody gets a pass for their party affiliation. You're fucking the whole fucking country by whatever this is, right? I, I was savage about Trump not pursuing this same option you know, with the cheap tests. And now i got to say the same thing about Biden. I mean, I was just as savage with Trump, most of you heard me, and I'm not going to pull it back because it's Biden. Biden, you're in, you're in the barrel. It's your job. If you don't fix this, or, and I would be um, satisfied intellectually with this, it wouldn't be as good, but at least I'd be satisfied intellectually, give us a good reason. Just tell us a reason that the FDA requires this to be a prescription thing. If there's a reason, I'm open to it. right? I'm not an unreasonable person. I just need to hear the reason. If not, Biden, you need to go. You need to fucking be fired with Cuomo. Because these are the size of mistakes that are completely unreasonable. And by the way, if, if Trump lost his re-election because he didn't handle the coronavirus well enough, I'm fine with that. I'm absolutely fine with that. If Trump, if Trump really did lose because of coronavirus, because I don't think I don't think he nailed it. I think what he did with the the vaccinations was amazing. I mean, that was Kennedy esque leadership. Nobody can take that away from him. But but the the testing part, the rapid testing part specifically, I think uh, I think Trump failed on that, and Biden is failing now. Um, so listen to uh, listen to statisticians too, not just medical people. Um, apparently, uh, Biden has declared that this is uh, Irish American Heritage Month. March, March is now. I guess this is a, a fairly normal thing. Every every year, the government just re-ups and says, "Hey, it's Irish American Heritage Month." To which I say. We only have 12 months. Now we've got Black History Month. That seems like a good idea. I'm all for that. Now we've got uh, Irish-American Heritage Month, so that's March. We've only got 10 left. Is that enough? Because I feel like there's going to be a lot of underserved ethnicities here, and that doesn't seem right. By the time we get to Estonian-Americans... What month are they going to have? Nothing. They'll all be used up. And I think that's a little bit racist, isn't it? Now, if the guy who is declaring its Irish American Heritage Month happens to be uh, an Irish American, say Biden, how do you feel about that? (laughs) It it feels like he's the one who shouldn't do that. Like it, It doesn't feel like you should declare a month for your own people if you're the leader. (laughs) <laughs> if Trump had declared Scottish American history, uh, Heritage Month, what would, what would the news have done to is him? There, is there such a thing as Scottish American history? So that would have been Trump. If he had tried to get away from that, get away with that, that would just be white supremacy. But maybe Biden can get away with this because it's a, a long, long tradition. But uh, are we using the same uh, standards for the left as the right? Let's keep an eye on that. Let's talk about Dr. Seuss. You all want to talk about that. So I've been following this story lightly. Like there's some stories you dig in, and there are other stories you just read the headline and move on. And this Dr. Seuss one, I've been reading the headlines and moving on because I trusted that the following would happen. I trusted that just being a consumer of news and you know dipping in all the time and turning on the news all the time, that I would clearly and unambiguously be presented with the examples of those things which maybe didn't look so bad when they were first done, but society has has evolved and maybe they look bad now. So I wanted to see some of the examples of the horrible, horrible things uh, in these Dr. Seuss books. Have any of you seen any? Has anybody actually seen an example of one of the offensive things? Now, I've heard them described, but I haven't seen them. Now, are we so, are we so uh, sensitive? Snickers, wake up. I, I just, I have to be more exciting. I, I'm, I'm boring my dog to sleep. It's causing a problem. All right, so none of you, I believe none of you have seen any of the examples, right? Um, Somebody says, I don't think Scots-Irish is a real thing. I don't know what that means. So the, the description of these offenses is that it's a, quote, racist imagery of Asian and black characters. Now, I think that's a real thing, like um, in my opinion. And I have to deal with this all the time because I'm a professional cartoonist. So when you're a professional cartoonist, Uh, the the market will ask you to have diversity in your product. That's reasonable, right? Make your your comic look like the real world. That's what I want to do. I draw a comic about the real world. So, of course, I want it to look as much like the real world as possible, including a diverse cast. But there's a problem. Do you know what the problem is? (laughs) It's a big one. Here's the problem. If I, as generic white guy, introduce, let's say, an African American character into my comic, what would be the personality I would give that character? Because remember, to make it a good comic, all of the characters have gigantic flaws. So Alice gets angry too quickly. The boss is, uh, you know, clueless. Dilbert is sort of a, a nerd. You know, he doesn't have his social graces. Wally's lazy. I shook the intern who's the only person who has any interesting flavor at all, because he, he was born in India. But Ashok, the intern in the Dilbert comic, the only flaw I could give him, that I could stay out of trouble, was that he's inexperienced. That's it. <laughs> His only flaw is one of youth, which, of course, is, is, solved, you know, is self-solving. So I couldn't even give Ashok, the one character in my strip, I couldn't even give him a, a real flaw, I had to give them the only kind of flaw you can give somebody that isn't real. You know, you just grow out of it like everybody does. It's like being a kid. Now, what happened when I introduced an uh, Indian-American character? I was blamed, uh, or accused of being a racist, because the Ashuk character sometimes did silly things. And people said, um, you should be cancelled for saying such bad things about black people. Now, my defense was um, he's Ashok the Intern from India. He's not, a, he's not a black character. To which my public said, Stop making this racist comic about black characters. To which I said, Oh, maybe you didn't hear me the first time. There actually aren't, there are no black characters in the strip. And the reason I do that is out of respect. Because I don't know a way that I could add a. Um, Well, and out of fear as well, but it is also out of respect. That I don't know that I could treat the character right. And I do think I have some obligation to do that. And my public says, but why are you being so racist about your black characters? To which I say, I don't think you hear me. I don't have any. (laughs) And there's a reason. There's a reason. It's because you can't. You just can't do it. In, in our current situation, there's no way I could do it without getting cancelled, because I would have to add a flaw, and then that's the end of it. I'm cancelled, right? So Dr. Seuss, of course, had a different situation because in the Dr. Seuss books, because they were old enough that he just did whatever seemed appropriate at the time, but now it looks wildly inappropriate by our modern eyes. And I would guess that he has some uh, pictures of Asian and black characters that probably are so uh, probably so racist by modern standards that you would laugh when you saw them you know you would laugh comparing them to what, what is acceptable now to, to what was acceptable then. But I'd like to see them because I think we should laugh them away. Am I wrong? Let me ask you um, if you are let's say if you're black or Asian American you're watching this live stream. Let me ask you this question don't you think we'd be better off? publishing the pictures, and all having a good laugh. Isn't that healthier? Because I don't think there are any white people who are saying, yeah, let's." Uh, the world is better if we make the, the non-white characters like weird, weirdly stereotypical. There is zero people on the other side of the argument. Nobody. There's nobody on the other side of the argument. Nobody says, well, I would really like the non-white characters to be you know, insultingly drawn. Nobody. Nobody's on that side. It's not like statues where people have some unrelated argument about free speech and history and stuff like that. There's nobody on the other side. If we can't laugh at this together, like, what the hell? We're not even trying. Let me tell you how to solve this. Here's how you would solve the Dr. Seuss thing. Uh, Somebody owns the rights. I don't know if it's family members or publishers or who owns the rights by this point i think that they should um, hire a black cartoonist to suggest a non offensive um, let's say drawing style to replace the originals and but to keep it within the style of the original doctor seuss but also make sure that everybody knows what the original is so so that you know, in the book, it says this was modified for this reason. You should be able to see the original. You don't want the original to, to be forever gone. You know, it needs to be put in its proper context. But I've been thinking about doing this for Dilbert, because on one hand, you know, and I know my audience especially is thinking some version of uh, Scott, don't be so, don't be so weak. Just make your characters do what you do. Let the chips fall. I don't live in that world. I don't live in that world. I live in a world in which I prefer people to be polite. You know, forget about the wokeness and all that stuff. Can't we be polite? (laughs) Can't we just be polite to each other? Do we even have to worry about any any of the other stuff if you're just polite? How polite is it to publish offensive characters of some group? Now, I get that it maybe wasn't as offensive in the past, and so maybe you were too woke now, but here we are, right? Here we are. However we got here doesn't matter. Here we are. It's just not polite to do offensive things that people find offensive, if you can avoid it. And how hard would it be to get a a black cartoonist and say, look, give us a hand, redraw these characters, we'll just change the ones that are offensive, and then we'll annotate it so everybody knows what we did. Same with the Asian-American characters. That's why I wanted to handle it. And by the way, I've been thinking for a long time, and I, think I'm, I feel as though I'm going to pull the trigger on this, although this could backfire. I'm thinking of doing the same thing with Dilbert. I'm thinking of asking Black Lives Matter, for example, literally, to say, hey, I've got this issue. I'd like to add some diversity. I can't do it alone. Nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with saying you can't do it alone, right? I can't do it alone. Give me a hand. Help me develop a character with a flaw. Got to have a flaw or I don't want it. And not one of these weak flaws, like they're inexperienced. I need a real, give me a genuine flaw. But you need to develop it for me, and then I'll I'll operate with it. Now, Now, is that... Is that too woke? Have I gone too far to the other side to say, hey, give me a hand on this? I don't think so. Because I'm saying that there's something that I can't do. I'm just in a situation where like, it wouldn't work if I do it. That's just a practical statement. If I get a hand, maybe I can do it. And then I have more diversity in the strip. I don't know how... I, how it, somebody says it's pandering. So that's what I was getting for. I don't think it is. I don't think that... Um, I don't think that evolving your product to be more compatible with the customers is pandering. I think that's commerce, right? Pandering feels different. Pandering feels like you're doing it just for maybe looks, or you're doing it just to make somebody happy. That would not be my motivation. My motivation would be to have a product which more people like. That's it. And be polite. Just be polite and have a product people like. All right, I'm repeating myself too much. And thank you for pointing that out. Uh, There's a company called MyHeritage, all one word, MyHeritage, in which you can take an old photo and they will will animate it like a Harry Potter photo that moves. So you can just take an old photo of your grandparents and turn it into a photo where the the head, instead of just looking at you like a still photo, is looking around a little bit look around the room. Now, how hard would it be to take it to the next step where the photos all follow you when you're walking around? That's going to (laughs) happen. So this is fun. In the world of deep fakes, even our photographs will come to to life and already have. So this is current technology. There's nothing about this that is speculative. This is right now. And they look really, really real. A lot of people saying, what's going to happen when the deep fakes are so good that you can make a famous actor with the, the software? Does the original actor own their face? What do you think? Does Tom Cruise own his face if somebody wanted to make a deep fake and then make a movie about it? Is, that, is, there, are, is there a lawyer here? Because I don't know the answer to that question. And what what would it take for it not to be owned by Tom Cruise? Suppose you took Tom Cruise and you made him um, black. But otherwise, it looks just like him. Does Tom Cruise still own it? Or did you modify it enough? Somebody says he should. Why? Now, he should if you were trying to sell a movie with... uh, as if it were the real Tom Cruise. Now, if somebody's trying to sell a deep fake as the real person, that's definitely illegal. No question about that. But suppose somebody makes a movie and they say, we're going to make a a software version of Tom Cruise, but we're not going to try to fool you. We're just doing it in software. It's not really Tom Cruise. He has nothing to do with this. Is that illegal? I don't know, but I'll bet it's legal. Only because the law didn't anticipate it. Yeah, it would not be a a counterfeit if you labeled it correctly. It's only the false labeling that gets you in trouble. Am I right? So here's my prediction, that you will not see big movie studios trying to make movies with uh, fake versions of real people. There will be some of it, but it will be a, a transitional period. In other words, there will be a period in history in which maybe there's some, you put, maybe you put a, a younger Paul Newman into a movie or a, a younger any actor into a movie, and maybe the real actor is still associated and agrees that their younger self will be there. Maybe they even do the voice. Maybe somebody does the voice of their own younger character. So you're see a period where that happens. But long term, the economics guarantee that it will not be real actors that the, fake, the fakes are. In the long term, simple economics... And by the way, have I ever taught you that if you add economics to your talent stack, you can see around corners? Uh, a simple understanding of economics just lets you see the future. Because money talks, money is predictable, people are predictable when it comes to money. So whenever money is involved, you immediately become very predictable because people act the same way around it. And here's the predictable part. Why would you pay Tom Cruise? <laughs> Tom Cruise is expensive. If you're, if you're going to work with him, and you probably would, to use his CGI deep fake, that's really expensive. Do you know what's better than that? Making a version that's not Tom Cruise that's better than him. Because Tom Cruise, as engaging as he is, he's not the best-looking guy in the world. Wouldn't you like a taller Tom Cruise? Ah, ah, see where I'm going? Tom Cruise is 5'6". Wouldn't you want a taller one? Come on. Of course you would. So why would you, why would you make one that looks just like the star when it would be trivially easy to make a better one? Do you think that, um, that Tom Cruise is, uh, let's say, uh, what do you call it, uh, symmetrical? Symmetrical. Probably not. I think the thing is his nose is a little weird, right? All you do is start with what's good, and then the AI will very rapidly figure out what people want to look at. It will create characters based on what people like the most. It could even do it in real time. Just show you a character, which which of these two do you like better. People would vote, and as people are voting, the AI is changing the the choices so that it, it just builds in real time the perfect character that everybody wants to see. That's the one you want to get. You don't want the crappy old looks like Tom Cruise with all of his you know, pimples and warts and his five foot six and he's getting older. Why would you want that? Why would you pay twice as much for the thing that's clearly worse? So in the long run, uh, regular actors will be replaced. Uh, there's no... There's no possibility it could go another way in the long run. No possibility it could go any other way because of economics. Um, All right. Um, Have you seen that uh, Twitter does this thing where they'll note that the comments may have some offensive ones, and you can't read the rest of the comments until you click on a thing that says they may be offensive? And then you click on it, and there's nothing offensive there, even slightly. Is this another shadow banning technique? I'm trying to understand what it is. Because it feels like just another way to hide stuff from certain people but not others. Now, I don't have like direct evidence that that's the purpose of it. But what I also don't have is any clue what would be a different reason for it. Can you think of any reason that most of my comments would be hidden that way when none of them are offensive, or even a little bit? What is the second possible reason for that? I can't think of one. Now again, if I've taught you this a million times, you have to be careful that the real problem here is the limit of your own imagination. So I'm saying, uh, think of all the other reasons that some comments would be routinely hidden that way? I can't think of one. Maybe technical limitations? Maybe there's a AI that's not so smart that it can't tell the difference? Is it that people reported some comments and they report maybe conservative stuff more than others? Maybe. Yeah, I suppose if you really stretch your imagination, you could kind of, sort of, imagine some other reason that might be happening. But it's a stretch, isn't it? It's a stretch. We live in a world in which, if it looks like it's obvious some some bad behavior is happening, this probably is. <laughs> it probably is. Somebody says YouTube is frozen. It looks like it's working to me. Um, anyway. Biden is considering putting sanctions on... Putin, I guess, over the uh, jailing of Navalny, the Putin critic, and the crackdown on the protests. And there's some intelligence review, blah, 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 blah. Um, what do you think Biden's going to do with Russia? Because they've been criticizing Trump forever, but what else is there to do? Like, How many, how many tools does uh, Biden even have? what the hell is he going to do? I feel as if he's trapped here as he is trapped in many cases uh, in which he'll end up just doing something that looks like what Trump did. If you, look, if you know the Khashoggi story, the, you know, the, the Saudi Arabia situation where uh, B- MBS allegedly ordered the, uh, the death of Khashoggi, when it came out, Biden did exactly what Trump would have done, which is let the leader slide. Just let it slide. So there's not really any serious difference yet between Biden and Trump on the international stuff. And the things where there's a clear difference seems to be trivial, such as rejoining the Paris Climate Accord. It doesn't really matter. (laughs) So all the important stuff is the same as Trump, and the unimportant stuff, well, doesn't matter. Um, And I guess uh, Biden is also looking at the reports that Russia allegedly placed bounties on U.S. soldiers in Afghanistan. Now, remember that uh, Trump was criticized for not acting on that. But the other part of the story is there was no evidence of it. So Trump was criticized for not acting on what Democrats said was real, but the intelligence agency said, we can't find it. And now Biden, being on the side that said it was real, it's his job to do something about the thing that his own people say isn't real. But when he was out of office, he said it was real, or his people did. I don't know how much he said about it. So how do you handle that? (laughs) How do you handle it? I don't know. I think Biden's kind of in a corner. Um, So there's a... uh, Top-rated Arizona news anchor who resigned because she didn't want to she didn't want to report fake news anymore. (laughs) This is somebody who worked on a local Fox affiliate, Carrie Lake. She resigned basically because she didn't want to report fake news anymore. Think you'll see more of that? I don't know. So let's talk about Governor Cuomo. He's got his uh, third accuser now. If there's one thing that you can guarantee. If there's a famous politician who has two accusers of sexual harassment, you can bet there'll be a third. (laughs) You always get the third. It must be some law of the universe that if there are two, there are always three. Because when two people come forward, then it becomes a lot easier for the third one to come. And if there are two, there almost certainly are more. So apparently what he said... Uh, at a public gathering so this had nothing to do with any of his employees but this is the latest thing he he was holding some woman by the head and he alleged asked "Can I kiss you?" and I don't even think it was somebody he knew that well just sort of somebody he was interacting with at a bar and she was offended and she's talking about this now the first thing I'd like to add is that Governor Cuomo really doesn't have much game <laughs> He's really lacking something in the flirtation department. There's like a gene missing or something. Because if there's one thing that uh, let me let me ask you this to the women watching this. All right. So this question is just for the women. If you're a man, don't answer. Because well, I want to know that the answer is only from women. All right? For only women, here's the question: What do you think of a man who asks you if he can kiss you versus versus just taking a shot and being turned down or not? What is your feeling of somebody who asks if they can kiss you? Go ahead. Just the women. Just the women. Um, bum, 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 bum. And I, I won't know exactly if it's just the women answering, so I'll go tell you. Somebody says, yuck, go for it, Uh, lame, weak, insecure, creepy, drunk or drunk of power, no, depends if you're married, (laughs) low T, weak, loser, I think this is the men saying that, coward, Uh, depends on the man, asking is lame, wet blanket, somebody says I like it, Um, a woman I assume, uh, loser, but in this day, safer, wimp, gross, beta, yes, polite. I see uh, no way, buddy, uh, male feminists. I'm uh, just looking at your comments, beta, no, no good. Yeah, well, so there is not a, an agreement on this. Here's, here's my best take on this. I do believe we still live in a world where women would prefer you to make the move. I think we live in a world where they prefer that you make the move. But here's the wrinkle. Don't be an idiot about it. <laughs> Nobody likes it if there are no if there are no signs that it would be warranted. Like if you're trying to kiss somebody and there are no signs that this would be acceptable, well, that's a pretty big problem. And it looks like maybe Governor Cuomo has that problem. And we can't tell from one anecdote. But if the anecdote is representative, and we don't know that, um, it looks like he doesn't have that sensibility. Maybe he can't read people, or doesn't care, or something, I don't know. But you have to separate the question of whether somebody makes a move without asking from the question of, do they have enough sensibility to know when that makes sense and when it doesn't. I don't believe in my whole life I've ever... Oh, I'm sure I'm wrong. Like I'm sure as soon as I say this, somebody from my past will come and say, well, that's not true. <laughs> I can't think of any time I've ever tried to kiss anybody where I didn't have a good idea I could get away with it. I mean, I'm searching my data memory for you know decades. I can't think of a time. And have you? Have you ever tried to kiss somebody who had not shown you that they were interested? I mean, it happens a lot, apparently. So, uh, And because it's slow news time, uh, Cuomo is getting extra lambasted here. Now, uh, there's also uh, uh, some photos of him having, uh, I guess, dinner and some drinks with a, a female aide. And there's some indication from the photo, but it's a little hard to tell, that his hand under the table might have been on her leg. Now... You can't tell from the photo, but the photo does at least suggest that his hand is extended a little bit. might be on a leg, could be on just on the uh, it could be just on the, uh, the bench next to them. You can't tell. But of course, since we're primed to think it's bad, it looks bad. Now I'll tell you, he's making the Pence rule look good. The, the Mike Pence rule that he would not have a, a meal. You won't go to lunch with just a woman unless somebody else is there or else he brings his wife. Now, the Pence rule sounded ridiculous the first time you ever heard it, didn't it? The first time you heard that, it's like, are you serious, Mike Pence? In a business setting, you would not go to lunch, a business lunch, with a female you know, who had every right to be there and you had business. You wouldn't do that. Didn't that seem like the dumbest thing? Yeah. Um, Not so much now. This is why. And we're also seeing Republican Representative Madison Cawthorn, a young, very young guy, who's being blamed for things he did in college that made women uncomfortable. And so I asked this uh, online. I said, what percent of uh, men do you think uh, have engaged in something that was sexually inappropriate? By modern standards, sexually inappropriate. Either sexual harassment, words, touching, any, any of that stuff. What percentage of adult men do you think have participated in that? Now, if you look at my survey, it's interesting because the answers are really spread. Right There, there are just as many people who think only 20% of men-ish have ever done that, as there are people who think that 90% of men have done that. Think about that. Just as many people think 20% of men are sexual harassers as there are who think 90%. That's a big difference. And then the middle is sort of just smeared. In other words, there is a gigantic difference between what people would call, and I'm going to put this in big air quotes, normal. Now, in this case, normal is illegal, literally illegal, if you think it's normal to be sexually harassing somebody in in the office. Literally illegal, at least inappropriate, at the very least. But what percentage of men do you think have done that over their lifetime? I feel it's close to 100%. It's definitely 90%. It's definitely not 20%. and i don't and if you know any women who are attractive and i hope you do ask them how many times they have been sexually harassed in their lifetime or i could even make it simpler ask them how many times they've been sexually harassed this week just this week do you do you know how many times an attractive woman gets sexually harassed in just one week it's insane It's just off the chart. It is so mind-boggling that you can't even believe it. Now, I happen to be married to an unusually attractive woman, so I get to hear the firsthand stories of things that happened today but also have happened a whole life, and you can't even believe it. It is so beyond anything that a man could even really just understand. I mean, it is so bad. And of course, one assumes that the higher you get in the desirability index, the worse it is, right? Because people being people. But then I asked a separate question. How many men have been sexually harassed at work given today's modern standards of what it means to be sexually harassed? What do you, how do you think that came out? <laughs> a lot. A lot of men, over 50%, have been sexually harassed at work by modern standards. Over 50%. And the ones that have not, they're not your good-looking men. <laughs> I can say this about men. I wouldn't say the same thing about women. But because women, I think, are closer to universally sexually harassed. It's close to all of them. With men, it's probably close to half. And it's the half that are more attractive to women. And to gay men, I suppose. Because it's a little both. Now, I would say that I've been sexually harassed a bunch of times. I mean, I I don't even know how to put a number on it. By modern standards, I've been sexually harassed in the workplace 25 times, 100 times, I don't know how many times, by modern standards. So I guess I'm like at the bottom of the 50% who, at least when I was young, was worthy of harassing by somebody. Now, I don't think that's even unusual. Right, because if you're if you're counting any off-color joke that was initiated by somebody else, have you ever been the subject of an off-color sexual comment by a woman in the office that you did not start? Of course you have. Of course you have. So if you take it all the way to inappropriate comments by modern standards, yeah, we we've all been in that. So this is no. Uh, this is not meant as any kind of. Uh, I don't know, softener or anything for what Governor Cuomo is doing. But it's good context that he's somewhat universally in a category of bad behavior. Um, But that won't matter because it's political. Um, Let me teach you something about willpower. I told you that I would teach you at least one thing every day or reinforce something that's worth reinforcing. But I do it through the lens of current events. And this is that time. Here's a topic which I've spoken on before, but when you have a perfect example for it, it helps. Here's here's a filter to see the world. When I talk about filters, I think I'm going to sneeze in a moment, so excuse me. When I talk about filters, I don't mean what is true or not true. So nothing about this is truth or reality. It's about... Choosing a filter for looking at your life and your situation that's a a useful filter doesn't mean it's right, doesn't mean it's better than other filters, just means it's useful. Here's one that's useful. Get rid of the idea that free will exists. You can still keep it. You can still keep as one filter that free will is a real thing. In fact, our legal system requires it. In order to punish somebody for a crime, which is necessary to reduce the number of crimes, you have to treat them as though they have free will and that they chose to do the crime. You can't change that. Nobody's come up with a better system. If they do, that'd be great. But we don't have a better system. You have to pretend for the legal system to work. You have to pretend, and that's what a filter is, it's pretending, that free will is a real thing and exists. But when you're trying to decide how to feel about something, you don't have to use that. If you're in the legal system, you have to. Outside it, you don't have to. So you could have a different filter outside the legal system, and this is the one that I use the most. People have urges. Some people have more urges. Some people are hornier than other people. Some people uh, are more selfish. Some people are more afraid. Some people... Some people just have different levels of urges. If these urges are low, it's easy for you to stay below the line of bad behavior in any field because you don't want to. No effort at all. Well, I don't really even want to do that. I don't have much urge. But as your urge increases, and let's say you're getting into a flirty situation or somebody that's starting to activate your mating reflex, there is a point for men... And by the way, can the men watching this confirm this for the benefit of the women? Because I don't know what it's like to be a woman. I can only speak to a male experience. But I feel I can generalize for the male experience. When you get horny enough, your brain turns off. And I'm pretty sure we're designed that way. I feel like that's a feature and not a flaw. Because if if you had complete common sense you would never mate. You wouldn't. Because if you just you know did a cost-benefit analysis of having children and stuff, you, some people would still do it, but a lot of people wouldn't. So you have to believe that we evolved in a way that for men it's probably evolution put this in there for a reason. You know, you're not going to have quite as many babies if you think about it. So we're going to turn off your brain in any of those situations where mating is a possibility, or you even think it is. So brain turns off at about this point, and then bad behavior happens. Now, whoa, let me talk to the dumb people for a minute. Smart people, um, take a little break. This next part is only for any dumb people who came in, because this is an open live stream. The regulars are all smart. You don't need this at all. So what I'm going to say is completely useless for the smart people. But for the dumb people who came in, this is going to be really important. I'm not actually defending bad behavior. Again, this is just for the dumb people. I know it seems like I am. Because I said, wait, your brain turned off, and you don't have free will. Therefore, the bad behavior is going to happen. So the, the dumb people now, you're thinking, I think you just said that Governor Cuomo can rape anybody he wants. No, no, I didn't say that. said the opposite, that in terms of the legal system, you have to act like all this is real. But you're acting. It's just an act. You have to do it, though. So uh, this graph, you could argue it's either time or opportunity because they're somewhat adjusted. And then to the earlier comment... um, where this line is, the bad behavior line, let's say we're just talking about sexual harassment, where this line is, is a little bit subjective. Meaning that, I hate to say it, but if somebody is funnier, they can get away with more. If, you're, if you don't have any sense of humor and you try to tell a, a sexually suggestive joke, well, welcome to human resources. Because <laughs> that wasn't funny, it was just offensive. But if you pull it off, let's say I tell something, some joke that's sexually offensive, people, I hope, would say, oh, wait a minute, that guy is a professional humorist. His intention is just to be funny. He's not trying to insult anybody. Humor is the point. I'm laughing. I get it. Okay, I'll I'll let that go. So this line does change if you're funnier. Does Governor Cuomo have the kind of sense of humor where he could lower this, no, I guess raise the bar, so that people say, ah, I get it, that's just a joke. Apparently not. (laughs) Apparently he doesn't have that kind of sense of humor, but maybe he thinks he does. And that looks like the problem. Because he said directly, I thought I was being funny. But I'll bet there will be no example that you'll ever hear of something he said where you would say to yourself, yeah, okay, that was kind of funny. I'll bet nothing like that. I'll bet everything that he thought was funny, if you heard it, you would say, hmm, not so much. And the second thing is your hotness. We're not supposed to talk about this. But whether you're male or female, um, your hotness level is going to adjust this whole graph, right? Because if you're not attractive, people are not going to have the same urge. It will be easier for them to... Uh, avoid it so that's your model it is not the only model to understand life like I said the the criminal justice has to be different but I find it always useful when you're you're trying to decide how to feel about any of this to have this context all right um, if we're being objective at all about uh, uh, Governor Cuomo I feel like you have to do, be a little bit glass-half-full sometimes because you could be overwhelmed with the negativity. And I would just like to say, just put it out there, objectively speaking, there's still a lot more people that Governor Cuomo has not killed and not yet sexually harassed. If you were to compare the numbers, the number of people he killed in nursing homes plus the number of people he sexually harassed, very small compared to all the people he hasn't killed and all the people he hasn't sexually harassed. Just keep it in context. That was a joke. For the dumb people? For the dumb people, that was a joke. All right. Um, Seems to me that forcing the people on the vocal left to live by their own rules is working quite well. It's working with the, the Cuomo thing. Here's some other examples that I thought were funny. I just saw this on the Internet that um, a lot of um, so-called racist images are being removed from old food products. So Aunt Jemima is going away, uh, Uncle Ben, Land of Lakes, they all decided that their imagery was a little too racist. But what's, what's the outcome of that? What is the predictable outcome of that? Well, it turns out the predictable outcome is that all the remaining faces are white. So you go into your grocery store and there are no people of color on your packaging because they were all removed. Is that what they wanted? Right. Now they got what they wanted, so what happens if you just keep giving the left what they want? Do they get what they want if you give them what they asked for? That's where we're at. So the left pretty much had to cancel Al Franken because that was sort of their thing. right? They kind of had to. And I think they'll have to cancel Andrew Cuomo. There's really no choice for that. I mean, he, I don't think he can survive this. I don't think so, but maybe. Um, and then even letting Portland go ahead with their you know, autonomous zones and whatever, all of that, all of that has the benefit of letting people get what they want to find out they didn't want it. It's like letting the dog catch the car. I mean, Biden is the dog that caught the car. Oh, I'm going to go do something really different with the Khashoggi. Okay, maybe I'll do the same thing. I'm going to do something really different with North Korea, except what can you do? I guess I'll do the same thing Trump did. Biden caught the car. Good luck with it. Um, Same with Putin sanctions. Is there anything left? I mean, really? What can Biden do? Right? Um, How about kids in cages? What did Biden do with the kids in cages? Well, he did the only thing he could do. He changed the words. (laughs) We're going to call them containers. And we're going to have, you know... But they're way better tents. Our tents and containers are way better than these chain-link fence things. Um, All right. Uh, And then the transgender sports thing is maybe the most perfect example of this. Because... The reason that women's sports exists is because women complained. They were they were being treated as second-class citizens and said, why are all these sports facilities in schools and why can't women be part of that except as cheerleaders? And so, yeah, perfectly reasonable that things uh, even out a bit there. But now the transgenders come along. And once you've opened the door, and I think we all agree women's sports is a good thing. There's nobody on the other side of that, is there? Uh, But once you've opened the door, you kind of got to expect the door stays open. Now, the transgenders are a threat to women's sports in a way they're not to men's sports. And again, um, we'll see where that goes. I know you don't like me talking about that topic. There's some uh, interesting drama over at ABC News with George Stephanopoulos and -and up-and-coming David Muir and I guess Stepanopoulos was kind of the, the big chief anchor there, but David Muir is the new up-and-coming up person. And here's the interesting part about that. I've watched a lot of George Stepanopoulos, and it seems to me he's basically just a Democrat politician who somehow got a news job. Like, he seems like the least objective person on TV, who's not on The View, I suppose. And so why, why does a news organization even have Someone who isn't even—he doesn't even pretend to be objective, does he? I mean, he's a weird choice for news. He's like the opposite of news. He's—he's he's an opinion guy, just you know, pretending to be a news guy. But what about David Muir? Um, in the small world, I spent an afternoon with David Muir a number of years ago, in which he was—he uh, was doing reports and stories, and one of those reports was about me. So I spent a whole lot of time with him, you know, sort of hung around all afternoon as he asked questions and put his report together. Great guy. I, you know, I just enjoyed him as a human being. He was just a great guy. And I can't remember seeing him saying anything on TV that was necessarily super biased. Can you? And I, and I feel as though this is a good change. Maybe, maybe it signals something. Um, Jordan Peterson and uh, apparently has, had warned at one point and maybe I think Brett Weinstein might have said this too that eventually the left would come for the evolutionary biologists in other words people were literally just scientists and trying to tell you that evolution got us to where we are in other words we, we have some things baked into us that evolution handed us it wasn't our choice um, and apparently on a Clubhouse uh, event that somebody was challenging uh, Brett Weinstein, he, who, who I believe he is an evolutionary biologist, and was saying that that's just another name for a eugenicist. <laughs> so now evolutionary biologists, people who belong to the science that I thought the left liked, right? Doesn't the left like their science and their experts? But now they're calling this group of uh, scientists uh, eugenicists. They're <laughs> saying, same thing. Same thing. Because if you believe that, that uh, people's biology has anything to do with their, their actions, then you're probably a eugenicist, according to the left. <laughs> uh, Muir is as most journalists left. Yeah, I think David Muir, you could properly say he's more associated with left-leaning things. But Stepanovlis, he was just a politician he, in disguise. It's very different. All right. Um, and I think that's all I wanted to talk about. Let me make sure. So that's all we got. Um isn't being left part of their job description? <laughs> yeah. All right, I'm just going to look at some of your comments for a moment. Uh, did they really remove Washington's statue from George Washington University? You know, the statues feels like uh, like old, old news. I wonder if we'll have any statue events under the Biden administration because it feels like there were some events where they only existed because Trump was president, as if the event itself was ginned up to give a reason to hate Trump, even though the event may have not been a Trump-related event. And so the the, uh, Confederate statue thing feels like something that was a national topic because Trump was president and that it gave you something to, you know, another weapon to use against them. And, and that was maybe the only reason for it. Otherwise, people don't really give a shit. I mean, once I, once I learned that something north of 20% of African American uh, people polled want to keep the statues, <laughs> what do you say to that? <laughs> Over 20% of black people want to keep the statues? Why can't they have their statues? Like, <laughs> Why does their opinion not count? Now, I know the majority gets the, gets the rule, but I mean, I should tell you that there's something going on that's not strictly racial about these, these statues. I'm anti-statue, by the way. I'm the same, on the same um, basis that I'm anti a lot of other things, it's impolite. That's it. It's just impolite. And I don't want to be involved with impolite things. It doesn't help anybody. All right. um, Somebody said we should have more statues. (laughs) All right. That's all I got for now, and I will talk to you tomorrow. All right, you YouTubers who are still here. um, What do I think of Biden ending the deportation of sex offenders? You talk about... um, Uh, non-documented, non-citizen people. Well, I don't know how he... How does he justify it? I would love to know what the argument is. uh, I'll say this. I've said this about Trump, and I'll say this about Biden. If you don't show us the argument, we have to assume it's corrupt intent. You just have to assume it. Because our politicians do need to show their work. It's not optional. If somebody wants to make a change like not deporting sex offenders, explain that to us. Just go in front of us and say, look, I realize you think this is a good idea, but here's my reasoning. There's some bigger purpose. I'm open to a reason. But if you don't offer a reason, you have to assume corrupt intent if it's governed. That's all, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.